All right, everyone, welcome to Digital Conversations. I am your host, Billy Bateman, and today I am joined by Munish Nepal. Munish, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, Billy. Thanks for having me. Excited to be yeah. talking to you. Yeah, excited to have you. We're gonna we're gonna talk about a few different things. Um, but before before we hop into it, I want to give you a chance to let everyone get to know you. Tell us a little bit about yourself and and what you're working on. Sure. So um, my name is Manish and uh, I'm a freelance content marketer with a uh, little over 10 years of experience working with global brands, uh, mostly B2B brands like Freshworks, RingCentral and Sales Hacker. Uh, I recently launched my own marketing agency in uh, bang in the middle of the pandemic and uh, it's called Marketing Impact. And uh, I started it to scale my one person uh, freelance uh, business because I think uh, that the demand for marketing related services has gone up exponentially owing to the pandemic, which I think has yeah. forced several people to start their businesses on their own. And uh, up until uh, February this year, 2021, I was running a podcast called the uh, AVM Conversations Podcast with my co-host Yag. Uh, we covered a lot of topics in marketing the same way you are doing here with Digital Conversations, Billy. Uh, and and I decided to move on from that podcast uh, after doing it for a little over a year because I wanted to invest my time and energy on setting up this online agency that I just mentioned. So uh, from being a podcast host until two months back, here I am today talking to you in your podcast, Billy. That's the story of my personal life in less than 30 seconds. Awesome, man. Awesome. So um one thing let's let's talk about this for a minute the the shift to a larger demand for digital marketing content with the pandemic you know like it used to be especially in the b2b world you know you could you'd have your website you'd be running your digital campaigns but then you're also got you know we're going to trade shows we're hosting our own events we're bringing customers in we're going out and we're you know having lunch with them visiting them making sure everything's going well that stopped a year ago and it's just starting to pick back up again. Um, but what did you guys see in terms of that shift? Like, did you go from, you know, like a 30% capacity to hundred percent capacity or, or what, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, sure. So I'll talk about my personal experience, which I think uh, was a little uh, ahead of uh, the rest of the world, which is, you know, I, I started my freelancing, uh, uh, career at, towards the end of 2019, a little uh, yeah. before the pandemic hit the entire world, and yep. uh, I think I I I was lucky because uh, you know I prepared myself for the lockdown that had to come, the work from home and remote work disruption that happened, uh, you know, just by pure uh, accident. But then uh, I think I hit a lottery because uh, of the pandemic because uh, I was looking for clients uh, obviously when you are um, a freelancer the number one problem that you have to solve for yourself is you have to find clients and all of a sudden when the pandemic hit and everybody was uh, house arrested uh, inside their houses um, I started you know freelancing businesses uh, freelancing requests uh, for content and marketing started falling into my laps from left and right and I think that happened from maybe 10% to 30% personally for me because I wasn't expecting that much of a work I mean I was kind of going through a burnout phase uh, in the middle of 2020 because of the kind of work I was getting and 
I owe it mostly to the situation that we were in uh, because a lot of uh, businesses, they started ramping up their digital marketing campaigns. I think uh, a lot of businesses went through a situation where their ad budgets were taken away from them. Uh, the, the campaigns came to a, uh, an abrupt halt. And uh, the only way that they could go forward was through uh, organic content. Uh, they they yeah. had to uh, do something on the organic front, uh, which cost them less and had uh, long-term ripple effects. So that's where I think uh, my the, the demand for the kind of marketing that I offered scaled from maybe 20 to maybe 10 to 30, 40 percent. That's, awesome. that's been my experience. Awesome. So going back to that idea of content, you know, every every business, if you're not doing some content, you should be if you've got a website. Um, but, you know, what are what are some of the best practices that, that you found in your experience for writing good content? You know, should you be focusing, you know, some questions that come to mind and, and you can just take these or should I be writing, you know, short articles and, and posting them every day or a couple of week? Should we focus more on long form content? Is it video? Is it written? You know, like what what do you recommend as, as the best practices if you're just starting to really, you know, pay attention and be purposeful in your content marketing? Sure. So I think uh, content, uh, you know, the, the, the answer to world's most difficult questions is more or less always it depends. And yeah. seems the case here because, uh, you know, marketing and content is something that depends on way, which stage of business growth uh, you're at, what kind of band and one, what kind of domain are you in. So it depends. But uh, if we, if we, you know, if I have to lay down general principles of how to create good quality content, which is a must for all kind of business, I don't care if you are a mom and pop shop or an enterprise software uh, company, you have to do com content because it it is the number one way to get on top of your uh, customers' minds. Uh, and the variety or the uh, type of content is secondary. Uh, what I think uh, should be a, the starting point for businesses to start creating uh, high quality content that ranks and that attracts the right kind of person, right kind of people to your brand is you have to treat content like a product in itself. You have to plan it, you have to prepare it, you have to package it, and then you have to promote it. But uh, uh, most of the brands that I think are, uh, you know, they, they're doing a mistake by seeing content as a commodity that they use to gain the search algorithm. They're writing for the machines and not people. So I think that's number one uh, roadblock, mental roadblock that they have to uh, get past. The other thing is when it comes to actually executing and shipping the content out, uh, this is very simple formula of uh, how to get started and how to scale it uh, to where you want to be, which is, uh, it's called the EAT uh, framework, which is EAT. Yeah. Uh, the, the E in the uh, framework stands for educational, A is for authoritative and T is just being trustworthy with the audience. And uh, it might not be necessary for me to expand on this, but uh, educational content teaches people how to you know, achieve something or how to uh, do something. So how to guides are a perfect example. Authoritative content establishes the brand as expert of the domain that they operate in. 
and trustworthy uh, content establishes their credibility on what they are saying. Um, you know, it's it's the kind of data and science that uh, that is verifiable in the content, right? So if you uh, if you uh, if you can fit your content into any of these or all of these buckets, I think uh, you are doing a pretty good job at uh, you know uh, producing high quality organic content that will uh, give you high payoffs in the long term. Awesome, awesome. So I want to dig in on a few of those things. Like so, with the educational um, portion of that framework, um, mm-hmm. what do you guys recommend? Because there are a couple ways you can approach this. Like. Are we going to educate people on our product? Are we going to educate them on the industry? Are we going to educate them maybe just on think, you know, other related things to, to where we play um, as a business? So, you know, where do you think you get your most the most bang for your buck? I know the answer is probably do a little bit of all of it. But if I'm just going to do one type of, co- of educational content, what would you recommend? Yeah, I would definitely recommend it, uh, you know, to keep it aligned with uh, what stage of the funnel uh, you want customers to be in. For example, uh, in general, I would I would recommend you keep it uh, customer centric. You keep it uh, oriented to your customers because uh, we should never forget that customers are the heroes of our stories. It's not yep. uh, you or it's not your brand. It's always the customers. So. Uh, being authoritative is an opportunity to establish yourself as the expert in that domain yes but it's not uh, really an opportunity to uh, blow your own trumpet right okay. uh, it should still be done in a way where you make customers the center of your world uh, i mean the best kind of marketing the best kind of content out there never feels like they're selling something to the customers they, they don't yeah. feel like marketing right so it's it's about building that kind of perception and uh, I think the brand set content is definitely a, a good thing to happen. Uh, but I think it happens. It fits nicely in your scheme of things towards the bottom of the funnel and not top. I think the yep. top of the funnel, middle of the funnel uh, should be generally uh, kept uh, with customers' interest in mind. You have to try to solve their problems. You have to answer the questions about what keeps them up at night, what what do they want to achieve in their lives and how to make their lives easier in general. And yeah. uh, a, a good metaphor I've heard about, uh, you know, uh, around this topic is uh, your customers are like, uh, you know, your customers are like Batman. Uh, they're the hero of your story, right? And they want yeah. a sidekick. And it's not the side, kind of sidekick that Robin was. Robin was a good sidekick. He was very reliable and all that. But I think... Uh, Brands should behave like Alfred, the Batman's family's butler, who was yeah. more of a coach, a mentor, uh, yep. someone, someone who was a selfless guide, and someone that Batman looked up, looked up to, you know, in difficult times. Yeah. So I think brands should behave in that way, and uh, you know, keep a balance of being brand centric as well as customer centric. But I think the balance should tilt more or less towards customers in general. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. You need. Have you ever read the uh, Building a Story Brand book? Um, oh yes, yes, yeah. And, I mean, that's nice what book. they talk yeah. about is we're supposed to be, you know, like the Obi One, like the guide to Luke, um, right, right, and uh, and help our customers be the hero. Um, yep. And I I've never thought about hey, how do we do that with our content? But uh, great, I, I love it, man. We should be. If you're not doing it, we should be. Um, 
So I wanted to dig into something related to content. Um, you used to be at, Fre at Freshworks and yep. you spent a lot of time working with their bots um, yes. and how you use bots with content. Um, so I wanted to ask you, you know, what are, what do you guys find, what have you found is like, hey, here are the best ways to use bots for both lead gen and for just customer support. Sure. Um, so yes, I was working with a team within Freshworks. Freshworks has like nine or eleven products right now, and I was yep. with FreshChat, the, the chat messaging uh, software that they had, and it was very interesting for me to work in a product like that because uh, uh, you know it was the perfect. Uh, tool that solved uh, business problems across the funnel. I mean, it started with marketing, yeah. sales, and then support and retention also, right? So uh, I think it's, it's when it comes to chatbots or creating the right kind of chatbot experience, what I learned from my experience working with FreshChat was it's important to understand what chatbots stand against, which is, I think uh, it's the static, Lead, lead gen forms or pop-ups yeah. that are right on your face. So I think chatbots uh, kind of uh, are antidote to those kind of bad experiences that customers had. So in that sense, chatbots should be interactive. They should uh, present your brand personality. They should, uh, they should be very con contextual, highly contextual. I think that's, that's uh, one of the number one uh, skills that chatbots should have, should have and that's why I loved uh, personally I loved Answerbots which was very contextual to what I was looking you know it was very specific in it in offering help and uh, it should be perpetual in the sense that it should it should defer the traffic support traffic and the load of uh, tickets from the support team if it's a uh, you know if you are using chatbots for the support use cases I think it should um, also for sales and marketing actually I mean we used it for marketing and sales and customer support, mostly for customer support. But I remember we we promoted the hell out of our content through chatbots on our page because um, yeah. whenever we had we had lead magnet content, I think it was one of the strongest channel for us to get those at least spread the word about that content or get those content out through uh, the chat visit because if people are on your website and they are uh, looking for specific answers to their queries, I think they have a high buying intent, a high purchase intent for whatever they're looking. And it's the yeah. right time to give them something that can uh, answer the questions. So that's one principle that was, uh, that was really uh, close to our uh, best practices in FreshChat. Awesome, man. So I want to dig in on the idea of promoting content through the bot. Um, th that's something I've seen our customers and our consulting team works with customers on, on doing and we found to be very successful. Um, yes. So I just want to let's dig in. Like, what were you guys doing? What tactics can somebody use to promote uh, promote content within a chatbot? So I think it was very tightly integrated with the other kind of content that we were uh, populating through chatbots. Uh, content, yeah, the marketing content was just one small part of it. Again, based on the based on the context of what the customer was looking for. For example, yeah. if they were in our blog page, if they were looking for certain specific answers, uh, we we triggered different content for different people. I mean, sometimes uh, if, if they were on a, a blog page where they were looking for customer support tips, 
uh, we would maybe recommend another uh, similar blog, uh, yeah. you know, just like the recommended for you kind of snippets that yeah. you have towards the bottom of the blogs. We That's what I love. Yeah, yeah, we triggered those kind of uh, content for uh, through the chatbots. Uh, again, only with their permission, uh, we would have Answerbot do that interaction initially. And for people who are you know, on our sign-up page or who are about to, uh, you know, take the product for a spin, uh, they're about to take a free trial of the product, we maybe gave them uh, an ebook or something that was closer to the context of what they were looking for. So yeah. those were those were different tactics, and the other kind of use cases that we have seen uh, when they were, for example, in the support phase, or for example, if they were looking for support-related use cases, we would trigger a self-service content, which uh, and and also knowledge-based content because uh, I think that would answer. And our data also showed that people, uh, customers coming to our pages, they loved getting answers, figuring out answer on their own rather than talking to a human agent until yep. the problem called for talking to a human agent. So self-service content was evergreen. It was uh, one of the most sought after uh, pieces of content. And uh, I think chat widget was the perfect place for us to uh, kind of trigger that. FAQs were a second favorite and knowledge base definitely uh, mostly for uh, existing customers or trialing customers. Awesome, man. I I agree on on pretty much everything you said. I uh, I love using the bot to suggest content to other people. I think, you know, we can always from a sales and marketing standpoint, we always want them to, you know, chat with us or uh, book that meeting, you know, book the demo right now. Uh, most people aren't ready for that when they're on the site, um, at least the yeah. first time or two. A few are like, hey, you know, I need answers. I need answers now. I'll talk to somebody. Um, yeah. But most people, they're just starting to check it out. They're early on. They're probably not even the decision maker. You know, they're just gathering exactly. some information and uh, using the bot to provide content based on uh, based on where they are on the site is another one. Another play that that we've seen done is asking people what their role is when they come to the site initially on that homepage. And then depending on, you know, you probably have, you know, three to five personas that are part of your buying process and your customer base. Well, you have some content for those guys. And if they say, you know, I'm exactly. a sales rep, boom, here are two or three articles you might like, you know, um, I'm a manager. Here's another article, you know, something new from our blog. Um, and that's we had a lot of success with that and just getting people and, involved. And that's another thing. I think you reminded me of another very strong use cases for sales team who were already, you know, the humans from the sales team who started a chat or maybe it was a business development team member who was, you know, trying to interact with a, a customer, trying to help him or her uh, figure out the right answer. They would uh, use the chat, not necessarily the chatbot, but they would use the chat visit as a window of opportunity to uh, provide the right kind of content for people who are looking to compare fresh chat with uh, say another um, competition you know intercom or drift so we had sales enablement uh, documents that were not being widely extensively used uh, people were not being able to find it on their own, um, although it was right there under the resources section. So the sales people, if the, the customer interaction was escalated 
to a human agent, they would use the opportunity to send them documents that specifically talked about uh, the comparison that they were looking for, the price comparison, the feature comparison, the, the benefits of switching from this product to that and all that. Yeah. So I think that's also very important. And the way I look at it, what you just explained, Billy, is it's just like, you know, the chatbot interaction mimics our real world experience of going inside a store, right? I mean, yeah. sometimes uh, we go inside a store and we don't have time. We want uh, the store representative to just, you know, find the product that we're looking for, find the milk or eggs that we're yeah. looking for, whatever it is. But sometimes we just want to hang around. We want to explore the store and the aisles on our own. We want to take our own sweet time. So. It, that's why I said, you know, being contextual is very, very underrated when it comes to creating the right kind of chatbot experience. Awesome, man. Awesome. This has been great. I really appreciate you sharing everything with the audience. Um, before we wrap up, if people want to get a hold of you and continue the conversation, what's the best way for them to contact you? Oh, yeah, there's uh, many ways. I mean, I'm uh, very active on LinkedIn. Uh, my LinkedIn URL is linkedin.com slash that guy Manish, T-H-E-T-G-Y-M-A-N-I-S-H. Same thing with Twitter. I'm, I'm fairly active there at the rate that guy Manish. And you can just Google my name. I mean, I write blogs, so uh, I should be uh, SEO friendly. Okay. All right. Well, thank you again. And, uh, and we'll chat later. Yeah. Thank you so much, Billy. It's been nice talking to you. Thank you for your time. Yeah.